Welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show podcast. Think of it like a magazine or a box of chocolates. You never know what you'll get. From politics to pop culture, healthcare to legal issues, it's all here. And my behind-the-wheel chats are personal observations created especially for you on podcast only. Enjoy. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. There was a story today, and it is actually a writing by someone named Sahar Tartak. I don't know this woman. I'm thinking she's a woman, but maybe it's a man. Sahar Tartak, who wrote for a publication called Tablet, which is a very well-respected publication. And it's about Yale. And it's about journalism at a cherished institution at Yale called the Yale Daily News, YDN, which now appears only online, but for years was a very famous and illustrious print publication from which, from whence, from whence, uh, many of our most famous and distinguished journalists went on. And it's also about Penn. So it's about Penn and it's about Yale. And it's written by uh, this student who is still at Yale, I think either a sophomore, maybe now a junior. I think a sophomore. And we are reaching out to get the student on the show to discuss this. But this is the story that had me crazed. The headline was DEI squelches student reporting at Yale and Penn. A new generation of reporters is taught that censorship imposed by diversity committees is more important than the objective reporting of facts. And, you know, it begins with a distinguished, a distinguished explanation of the extraordinary history of college newspapers and how important they have been as a feeding ground and as a disciplinary ground for journalists who would go on to presumably objectively report the news in our society. And as a journalist, when you come from one of these elite institutions, you get plucked for the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, the LA Times, the Washington Post. And typically your reporting goes on to have enormous influence and power. Let us not forget that when something comes to the front page of one of these big newspapers, everybody notices and frequently the government follows. So first the journalist publishes the story and then some attorney general or DA someplace says, you know what, I think we have to investigate this. Okay. So let us still remember that the press has enormous power 
that sunlight is still the best disinfectant in a democracy. And because of the power and influence, the media has become um, the media has become its own uh, its own victim, its own butt of many uh, people, particularly on talk radio like myself, who get angry. Uh, the MSM, the mainstream media, became some kind of a boogeyman under some administrations for some talk radio hosts. And, and, and Fox News, for some people on the other side, you know, is a villain. So uh, we have made the media part of the story probably too much in the last couple of decades. But that is because we recognize, all of us, the extraordinary influence and power that media has. And so with that, I got to tell you this story because this is the thing that drove me crazy today. So I want to begin with Yale. She does a whole thing on Penn, but Yale is right here in Connecticut. And, and for some reason, Yofi is upset about something. Can you hear that? Justin, can you hear Yofi? Can you hear Yofi? Yes. Okay. That's Yofi. And I can't tell you what's irking him at the moment. Because he's three rooms away, and yet the high-pitched nature of the bark seems to cut through glass. Anyway, 203-333-9422 is our number. Let me tell you about the Yale Daily News. The Yale Daily News today publishes the full democratic data, demographic data on its staff, demographic data on its staff. In other words, if you belong to the Yale Daily News, and I don't know that this is by name, but you become part of a category you're either white, you're male, you're female, you're non-binary, you're old, you're young, you're religious of a certain denomination, you're a race of a certain denomination, okay? Now, all of a sudden, it's relevant for everybody to look at who was in the Yale Daily News. By the way, this is all over the country. And in 2018, they wrote that they had a diversity problem, understanding, quote, from a glance at the photographs of each of our editorial boards that they are similarly dismal, dismal. Starts with the fact that the Yale Daily News covered, and you'll remember this. So going back a few years ago, there was a professor that um, that got completely and totally and and just terribly blamed for the fact that the professor felt that the decision to censor Halloween costumes on Yale campus was the wrong decision. And because this professor spoke out about that and said that censoring Halloween costumes was going too far, the professor uh, herself uh, and himself got into terrible hot water and became victimized by this uh, theology at Yale that said that how dare they speak out on this matter. So in 2015, for example, the Yale Daily News called on Yale to issue a formal response to, quote, two major racially charged controversies in the wake of a university email sent to students about offensive Halloween costumes. Erica Christakis, who was an administrator, told her students that they should be deciding social norms among themselves through dialogue rather than top-down administrative guidelines. She was upset that the university had decided to censor students in terms of the Halloween costumes they could wear. Her email sparked outrage on campus. She happened to be married to another professor, and he was surrounded by other Yale students, and it got really, really ugly. Okay, now we skip forward to today. That looks like peanuts compared to today. Okay, ready? 
So now in 2020, the Yale Daily News expressed, quote, solidarity with the protesters and activists who are fighting to dismantle systemic racism in America, urging readers to listen to black voices, actively fight against racism, sign petitions and donate to the cause. While the Yale Daily News committed itself to producing content that, quote, uplifts communities of color. The person writing this is concerned because she I think it's a she um, I could be wrong, but I think it's a she. She is writes, quote, it is hard to say that fact based reporting remains a student paper's main preoccupation, which brings us to October 7th. And this is what she writes. As a student at Yale, I returned to campus after the massacres to find my peers shouting, quote, resistance is justified in the hundreds. An officially sanctioned campus organization called Yalies for Palestine, Y4P, held the, quote, Israeli Zionist regime responsible for the unfolding violence and called on the Yale community to, quote, celebrate the resistance's success. The group stated that breaking out of a prison requires force and standing in, quote, full support of the Palestinian people's right to resist colonization and return to their land. We've discussed colonization. Who is the colonist here? How can Israelis be colonizing a land that they have occupied more or less off and on for thousands of years? Go look at the maps. Go look at the maps. Just go look at the maps. Anyway, uh, but we have this persistent idea that, no, that no Jews are allowed to exist in Israel and that Jews cannot have a self-determining land of their own, okay? So the student writes, I read over these terrifying statements and quickly turned around an op-ed for the Yale Daily News calling Y4P a hate group for its open support of terror. The kangaroo court editorial process my commentary was subjected to was predictably absurd. This is this woman writing who is a sophomore at Yale. I was asked to clearly define the terms hate group and terror, which I did. And then I was told that the piece would not run. So in other words, this person, this student at Yale, tried to write a piece in which she said that she felt that that, that remembered, despite this uplifting and uplifting and uplifting, she felt that this was a hate group and they wouldn't run it because of a fear of violence and harm that it could pose to students. And this is what she said. Eventually, the piece ran and she goes through all of it and the topsy-turvy nature. But on October 25th, a correction by the editorial board was added without her knowledge, stating, quote, Editor's note, correction, October 25th. This is the piece that got me crazy. This column has been edited to remove unsubstantiated claims that Hamas raped women and beheaded men. On October 26th, this column has been edited to remove unsubstantiated claims of rape. I just want you to hear that. So this is now three weeks after the fact, two weeks after the fact in Yale, the editorial board of the Yale Daily News is so upset that a person dares to write against Y for P that they feel the need to annotate and say that the person who wrote the article is making unsubstantiated claims of rape. We all know now how, how awfully substantiated those claims are, right? We all know how true they are. And the, the student writes, when I contacted the editor, I was told at the time my piece was published, there was swirling unsubstantiation of the rape and beheading claims, even though international reporters were on the ground in Israel well before my piece was published to chronicle the atrocities and had repeatedly verified claims of atrocities, including rape. 
And of course, we all know now. And then, and then she says, under public pressure, the YDN returned my article to its original form, or so I thought. It turned out the paper had changed my language. I wrote that Hamas was intent on killing as many Jews as possible. They changed my language to say they seemed intent because impugning murderous intentions onto Hamas was a step too far for the Yale Daily News. And she says this, I tell the story here not because it's egregious, but because it's normal. Campus papers that view Palestinians as the oppressed and Jews as colonial oppressors in a DEI framework cannot adequately cover atrocities committed against Jews by Palestinians. Reporting that disfavors Palestinians allegedly harms a marginalized group, which campus papers have promised not to do. Rather, they have promised to uplift marginalized groups and tell their stories using the words of the oppressed themselves. And she goes on and on to talk about this. And then she talks about the Daily Pennsylvanian, uh, which she says is doing the same kind of thing. Why am I telling you this? Why is the story the one that got me crazed? Well, you know me. I'm all about communicating. That's why I'm on the air with you every day. I'm all about the power of words, written words, verbal words. The power to paint a picture on the radio to you right now is what I cherish and what I love. The power to write and to speak is what I do when I'm not on the air with you. We cannot underestimate, one cannot overstate the importance of how critical it is to draw a line between free speech, a hope for objective journalism, and truth. And truth. Always about truth. And we are graduating people from universities right now who have been raised and taught that they shouldn't read books because of trigger warnings in the seventh grade. We, we have raised a generation of Americans who feel that speech is uh, relative, not absolute, and that the marketplace for ideas in which one can scream to the shout and, and shout to the mountaintop what you think, even if it's vile or disgusting, has to be respected in the absence of action like intimidation, menacing threats, Stopping people from going where they need to go. Stopping people on a highway. You know where I'm going with this. But speech alone has to be protected and it has to be cherished. And what we have been seeing, seeing, and it's a generation in the making, is a bending of the arc, is a fear that we're going to offend somebody's sensibilities, is calling somebody by the wrong name or assigning them the wrong pronoun or gender is the worst offense that you can make against somebody. It isn't. It isn't. The worst offense that you can make against somebody is to tell a lie, is to cover up truth, is to remove adjectives because you're afraid of hurting somebody's sensibilities. The world can be a very ugly place and journalists have to tell that ugly story. That's their job. That's their job. And it's the job of the rest of us to form an informed opinion based upon facts and the Yale Daily News and the Daily Pennsylvanian are still producing people that are going to take their seats as the editors in chief of our magazines and newspapers who then have an enormous impact on our society. And if you think it isn't important about what's going on right now in college campus newspapers, I have another thing for you because it is the most important thing because these people are going to take their places and they're going to be at your dinner table and they're going to be deciding on the agenda of attorneys general, prosecutors and judges. And so it's really important that they understand what facts are. 
And clearly they don't. And that's the story that got me crazed this morning. This morning I got a listener who sent me a piece that she was offended about. Um, this was coverage. Remember we talked about the map? The New York Post broke the story of the map in a Brooklyn elementary school that doesn't have Israel on it that was funded by Qatar. And there were some legislators that were very outraged about it and followed up with it. And the ADL was notified about it and they made sure that they were having a conversation and the map was removed. Now, all of a sudden, the New York Times publishes a story that says that the backlash is causing the parents some consternation. Well, of course, you know. Some people wanted that map on the wall. Hello, knock, knock. The Board of Ed originally said, what's the problem? You have to remember that. And so the New York Times published this. And so one listener wrote me and said, you know, once again, the New York Times missing, missing the point. Okay. There are agendas here. And you know what was interesting? As I'm reading you out loud a little bit from that article in Tablet, 203-333-9422, you can give me a call on the subject. Um, it struck me that one of the reasons that they censored uh, this uh, journalist's account of the massacre by Hamas on October 7th was they said in their own words they were afraid there would be violence on campus. Now, that tells me oodles and oodles, doesn't it? They're afraid of the people that would object to this. Who are those people? It's the pro-Palestinian element on Yale campus. Why are they afraid of the pro-Palestinian element on campus. Nobody's afraid of the pro-Israeli element on campus. Nobody's afraid to offend Jews. Think about that. Jewish people, pro-Israeli people, not known for stopping traffic, intimidating other students, forcing them to walk around them, forcing them in a building where they feel like they can't get out, disrupting classrooms. They have a point of view, pro, pro-Jewish, pro pro-Israeli people. They have a point of view. They say their point of view. They try and get on radio shows, talk shows, have their articles published. They will have permitted protests and marches, for sure. They'll work social media. They'll do what they can to get their point of view out. But no one's afraid of them. They're afraid of the violence that would ensue because an author dared to write that Hamas raped women. Who are they afraid of and why? And why is YDN cowed? Why are they afraid that they all of a sudden can't publish something for, quote, fear of violence? They're going to incite violence. Who are these people that they want to both, uh, that they want to both make uh, assured and happy as well as fear? Some might call that appeasement. Who are these people that they want to both appease and also respect? Is it respect or is it fear? Which is it? In fact, don't you think the fearing of them is a bit racist? Wouldn't you say that I'm because of the fact that YDN is afraid that if they publish something, there will ensue violence. They are making a racist generalization about the pro-Palestinian element on the campus. If I was pro-Palestinian, I'd be offended. What do you mean you're afraid of my reaction? I'm not going to hurt you. I'm a law-abiding citizen, right? I mean, just think about that. Think about the racist stereotype. Could you imagine? 
Okay, so let's let's talk about black people. Let's say that uh, somebody publishes something about a protest on behalf of against, let's say, police brutality on behalf of Black Lives Matter that gets out of control. And factually, it gets out of control. And there are some people, maybe not the majority of people at all, but fringe people who want to take it to the nth degree and it gets out of control. Should a reporter not publish that because they're afraid to offend? What, more pro-Black Lives Matter people? Isn't that racist? That assumes that all people who support Black Lives Matter are going to get into a violent situation. That's horrid. It's also not true. It's also racist. Do you see how this goes? Either you publish the truth and you publish the truth as people see it in front of their faces unfolding in black and white. You should excuse the expression or you don't or you bend your reporting because you're afraid of your audience. And if you're afraid of your audience, I submit you're racist. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends. And as always, feel free to contact me at Lisa at LisaWexler.com.